This is The Shakeout. Welcome to the Hold On, Justin's Coming Home episode. My name is Michael Doyle. I'm the editor of Canadian Running Magazine. And today with me, we have our web editor, Sinead Mulhern. How are you doing? Good, Michael. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Good. And our staff writer, Tim Huge. Hello, Tim. I'm very excited to be here today. You're very excited <laughs> very to be here. Very excited. Tim just ran a really hard, uh, a hard 10K last night. How did I you do last him. night, Tim? I did well. Second. Second. Second place. We, uh, here in Toronto, we host a Ekiden, um, sort of a on-the-sly race. Uh, and an Ekiden is a Japanese relay that adds up to be, it's a six-person relay, adds up to be a marathon distance. You run anything from 5K to 10K as your component. Tim did the long haul. You must have run around 32 minutes for the 10K. Correct. Correct. Fast. It was a PB. He's not saying it, but he ran a PB last you night. You ran a PB last night. I did not know that. PB. Oh, wow. <laughs> you ran against, he ran against a, a few really good runners, including Francois Jerry, who ran in the Canadian 10,000 meter championships the night before, which is crazy. And uh, he just got, just got beat by Francois. But I mean, I couldn't beat someone that had less than 24 hours rest from running 30 flat in a 10K. <laughs> well, he ran 30 flat. So he's, he's a really, really yeah. fast runner. But congratulations on the PB. That's amazing. Thanks. And Sinead was there as well, but you were there as the cheering squad. Yes, I watched him come in. We, we named our team um, Team Fire Emoji, which is Tim's <laughs> favorite emoji. And I would definitely favorite. say that he bought, brought the fire emoji. I would say you brought like maybe three to five fire emojis trailing you. You were leaving fire in your wake. Yeah, no, that's true. Well said. I uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was working the water station. I was handing out little cups of water, nice. and I think I did. I think I did good work. Nice. Yes, that I was threw, nice of you. I threw some water on one of Tim's fire emojis. Oh, really? Just one. Though. Didn't extinguish it though. They were moving too fast. He just came in full flames to that finish line. <sighs> Saw it. We're just beating this <laughs> thing down. Way too many puns to begin this episode. <laughs> On this week's show, we are going to chat with a Canadian running magazine favorite, Justin Knight. F- full in-depth conversation with Justin about everything from his uh, most recent NCAA uh, third place finish in the 5,000 meter championships, wh- whether or not he'll be going pro in a couple of years, uh, how he got into running, and some funny stories about <sighs> Drake. He's on fire. He, he also brought fire. the fire to this week's he podcast, I will say. This definitely a, a, an amazing listen, a great conversation with Justin. And in our second segment, we are going to begin to build the Canadian running summer running playlist. We're going to make some more recommendations. Justin threw in a recommendation for us as well. So we'll build on that. And we, of course, want to hear your recommendations as well. So tweet them at us, tweet them to us. You can tweet at us as well. Uh, email us, uh, send us messages on, on Instagram, the whole bit. And of course, our weekly recommendations.
In just a few short years, Justin Knight went from being a kid obsessed with basketball to a world-class track and field athlete. He now runs for the University of Syracuse, where he placed third in the NCAA 5,000-meter championships. Knight, who was born and raised in the Toronto area, looks to represent Canada at the World Championships in London in August. We chatted on the phone from his home in Syracuse. First of all, why don't you tell us, Justin, how you got into running? Oh, man, that's a <laughs> that's a fun story. So uh, it all started in grade 10, and I was in gym class, and my teacher was Mr. Chittle, who's now retired at St. Mike's. But um, I was like a multi-sport athlete, so I played basketball and volleyball. And I was pretty much, I was pretty decent at like any sport that we tried in like gym class, like badminton and stuff like that. And I was pretty athletic. And um, I don't know, like Mr. Chittle kind of wasn't giving me the gym mark that I kind of hoped for. And then when I asked him about it, he was just like, well, you're like a multi-sport athlete. And even though like you are doing well, it's like, I expect you to do better because sometimes I'd like take it easy because I'm not trying to like dominate the whole time i'm not trying to be one of those kids you know and um i said okay okay but like i really like want to hire grade in gym class like it's gym class so how could i make my grade higher and he told me like the last unit we had left was running and he said i want you to give your best effort and then like your grade will be increased because like the amount of effort you put in so i said okay and I always knew that I had pretty decent stamina, like from basketball and like running up and down the court on defense. I was always like pretty quick to recover and had like a lot of energy left. So I said, you know what, I'll just give my best foot at forward. And um, so we had many like practice runs and stuff like that. And I always like I would go to the front and just like, you know, show the teacher that I was giving my best foot forward and like finished first in every practice. And Sorry, I it is it was a 5K that we had to do at the end of the year. I forgot to mention that. And then um, I think so on the day that we had like the final race and stuff, it's kind of like a competition between like all other gym teachers to see who has like the fastest kid in their class. <laughs> so I went straight to the front, and then like I had like a lot of the guys, like the really good guys on the track team in my class, and like I beat them all and everything. And then. My teacher high school coach, um, my gym teacher told my teacher high school coach, like, oh, this guy just got the school record in the 5K um, for gym class. Like, he did it so fast, and he beat, like, all your guys that are on the track team. And then my high school coach was like, there's no way he beat those guys because, like, they're FIFA champions. Like, they made metros. They've gone to Oslo. Like, they're pretty good. And then he's like, no, like, I was on the, I was on the bike beside him. And then... Um, my high school coach said, no, he must have cheated. There's no way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then, like, later on, um, they kind of asked me if I would want to join the track team. And I really did. I, at first, I didn't want to do it just because, like, you know, with participating in volleyball and basketball, you kind of miss, like, a lot of school and stuff. And I just wanted to, like, just have a little downtime and just be, like, a regular student. But uh, eventually, like, I ended up, joining the team for um our private school championships which is called FISA and then I made it to Metro's in Osta and then um after that I, I did pretty well over there and then I continued to play basketball in the summer so I didn't I didn't run at all in the summer I still thought that maybe you know Syracuse would look at me for basketball and not running <laughs> I didn't know what was in my and um 
uh, after that summer, I said, you know what? And Mr. Bri- sorry, Mr. Brigham, my high school coach, he said, you should really come out for the cross-country team. Like, I think you'll like it. And I said, sure, why not? And then um, I tried to balance running and basketball, but since, like, our basketball team was number one, I think they were number one in Canada at some point in time, but um, they were pretty competitive, so, like, both had, like, pretty rigorous schedules. Well, not so much track. Track was just after school, but I couldn't – I was too tired to, like, wake up and go to practice at, like, 6.30 in the morning and then have to go do running. So I ended up just um, participating in running that year. And then, you know, I'm here now at Syracuse University. So <laughs> so kind of, like, on that note then, at what point was it when you realized that, you know, you could go and pursue running um, in the States afterwards? Like, when did you realize that maybe I can be an NCAA caliber athlete in running? Oh, I, I did not realize that until, like, I think the summer – of my grade 11 year when uh who was it ryan slyman won the 3k and then i think or no sorry brandon allen won the 3k good friend of mine and then ryan slyman came second and then you know troy smith and ben flanagan were the next two and and then i was like the i think i got fifth or sixth in that race but i think we ran like the fastest 3k championship don't quote me on this but (laughs) at the moment and I still tell myself today, I think that was the fastest 3K championship because we were all, like, top five or top six runners were under, like, 820. Mm. So um, I think at that point I was like, oh, man, I might be pretty good at this thing. But then um, <laughs> later on that summer, um, Ohio State came. They contacted me, and then they came, like, over to my house for a barbecue. And now it's like, wow, I have Ohio State at my, unit, at my house. So um, I think that's when I realized that I could get a scholarship. And um, it was just really cool. <laughs> wow. Your rise, or I guess introduction into the sport actually sounds quite a lot like Andre de Grasse, a uh, basketball player, kind of uh, got into running and continued to hold on to the ties for basketball for a bit. Um, I guess yeah. now you're full-time running. How often do you uh, hit the court and shoot some hoops? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, side note, I think that's pretty cool, actually, because I think uh, – I'm not sure, but I have a couple friends that are, like, Andre's age, and I think they used to play basketball with him. But I never put, like, two and two together, so I, that's really funny. But um, I don't get to the courts too often because I kind of have this thing where, as of lately, if I play any other sport, I always, like, end up hurting myself or waking up extremely sore after if I'm, like, playing around with my friends. But uh, I shoot around by myself, um maybe like once every three weeks or something. Cause I see the basketball trainer here at Syracuse. So I get to go like walk in through their practice. And usually they don't mind if I like shoot around on the side and stuff. So whenever I go see him, I'll like throw up a couple of shots. But as for playing like a full five on five or three on three game, I try not to do that until like the season's over. <laughs> You're a Toronto guy. You went to St. Mike's. Uh, how tough was it for you to to decide to go to the NCAA versus uh, what was then CIS and now U Sports, like how how tough is it to, to decide to leave Canada, or is just Canada was just like not an option for for varsity level athletics for you? Um, it was it was pretty hard, and definitely I took I took uh, you know Canadian schools in the CIS and U Sports uh, very seriously until like my final decision. Um, I uh, so I I. 
functioned out of the club, uh, University of Toronto Track Club, yeah. or UTTC. And um, <clears throat> my head coach was Terry Ratchenko, and he he was also, like, one of the head coaches here at um, at University of Toronto. And um, I had a really close relationship with Terry, and still do, and I, I still talk to him every now and then. And, um, you know, part of the decision is, like, if you have something great working out for you already, which was, you know, my high school career, I, I think I did pretty well. Um, you kind of wonder to yourself, like, do you switch what you're doing or do you give something else a try? And, like, for me, it was really hard to just distinguish my future and just be like, do I try something new and, like, you know, see where it takes me or do I keep working with um, my coach who I already know can take me to a pretty good level? And I went on two visits. I went to, uh, actually, in Canada, I visited Guelph, I think, once or twice. That makes and, sense, um, yeah. Yeah, they were they were fantastic, and obviously, like they were uh, they are equivalent to the Oregon on the Canadian side, I think. And um, I also like I also visited UFT a bunch of times, and I just were, was always at their facility. And also, my brother goes to school there, so um, that was great too. And when I did both Canadian schools, I was like really impressed with the you know the programs and everything, and you know the how the way that they develop their athletes and um, just like the the relationship that they've built with their athletes, I thought it was really great, and I thought it kind of um, was very similar to the what, the relationships that I've had with like my high school coach, Mr. Bergen, and um, it was great. And then I also took a visit. I took two visits to the NCAA. I went to Wisconsin, and um, and yeah, here's Syracuse. How do I, I don't know why I hesitated on that, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I took those two visits, and Wisconsin, oh, my God, like, they, I've never seen facilities, like, their facilities, it's just, I've never seen, like, American facilities before, so to me, it was just, like, literally, it looked like professional sports, and um, that was crazy, and, like, the coaches were great and everything, too, and plus, you know, Mohammed's been there, and I knew the tremendous history that they have with developing athletes with Mo and Simon Byru. Um so then I took my visit at Syracuse and I thought like, you know, like all the coaches here were very similar to um, Mr. Bergen and Terry. And I just thought like, you know, the athletes that they had here, um, they were much better than me at the time. Like Martin Heher, he was running like crazy times, you know, to me breaking eight minutes in the three K indoors was just like, I never thought I'd be able to accomplish that. And um, they have many guys like that. And, um, the team atmosphere was just great too. And then when I, I was getting kind of scared and I didn't know if I wanted to, you know, leave home and stuff, but Syracuse is only four hours away. And, um, I think that played a huge role because I'm a huge mama's boy. I don't know if I said that to you guys, but <laughs> yeah, you've told I love my mom. <laughs> yeah. So I love my mom and I love my dad too a lot and my brother. And, um, I just think that when it came down to it, uh, I thought Syracuse would help develop my, my talents a, a bit better. And um, the reason why I came here was, like, the coaches were great. They were very similar to my high school coaches. And also, like, being four hours away is far enough and close enough to home. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and so what what was what's the NCAA like? I mean, we obviously watching it from Canada, we see that it's one of the most competitive I mean, if you want to call it like a league, it's like one of the most competitive, <laughs> yeah. one of the most competitive leagues 
in track and field and cross country in the world, really. And it's where some of the greatest, yeah. some of the greatest runners in the world come out of the, the American school system. So what was that jump like for you from, from, a, a you know, the Toronto district high school, uh, jumping up to one of the kind of the most competitive leagues in the world? Oh, it was, it was crazy actually. Um, I think competing at world juniors definitely helped me out a lot in the, um, sort of, developing and understanding the way the sport works and uh, I think just being exposed to that talent at World Juniors helped a lot also um, the one thing that I found extremely different from high school and I think it's I think it's different just uh, whether you're American or Canadian is just like the way that people race um, I, I'll never forget like my first race I was at Boston uh, I think it was like I forgot what the name of this course was, but I think it was like one of the Boston College in- Invitationals, and it was for cross country. And I remember I was like coming in, I just came off World Juniors and everything. I've been working out pretty well with the older guys. And I already knew who Ed Fezrick was, but I didn't kind of understand how good he was. I just knew that like he, was, he wins a lot. And <laughs> I didn't know what, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really know what he was capable of. And, um, I'll never forget that race. Like I was on the warm up with the guys, and I was saying, "Guys, this is the race where I beat Edward Cheserick, and you know everybody loves him, and, and like they're gonna start to love me and stuff, and I'm gonna surprise everyone." And I was just going on, like not extremely cocky, but I like really believed in myself because I thought, like, I feel so much stronger than I was in high school. And I remember like the gun went off, and I ran straight to the front because in high school you could win any race. If you're, if you're good enough, you can just go straight to the front and people will just drop back. <laughs> and I went straight to the front and I ran this race and I think it was an 8K race. And we came across 4K and I'm like, God, there's like 150 guys that are right behind me and everything. And then um, later on that race, like I started to fall back and the other guys started to make their move. But it was like a bit more tactical because the guys who won weren't at the front. They were just in the middle pack and they would slowly climb up. And I think that's, like, the biggest, the hardest thing to adjust to is, like, seeing how, you know, even though you are the best, you don't have to show all your cards all the way, mm-hmm. right away. And you can just, like, relax and gradually get better and, you know, do that type of stuff. But also, uh, it's really cool here, too, in the sense that, like, the way they treat their athletes, it's almost like, uh, like what you said, it's, like, almost like a professional league. Um you get really cool gear over here and stuff like that. And <laughs> yeah, my coaches, like they got me basketball shoes after, uh, they got, uh, the guys that made NCAA's basketball shoes. So I use those pretty often. Um, and just the facilities, like the things that you're exposed to over here is just very different than what I've ever received out of high school. And, you know, I get massages every now and then and the trainers are really good. So, it's it's just a cool way to run. I feel like we're almost like semi-professional athletes, but it's it's awesome. I want to ask you a little bit about your family and specifically your older brother. Um, I know you've mentioned him a couple of times in this conversation already. Yeah. Uh, and he just graduated. Um, and I know that you refer to him as a role model. So I'm a little curious about, you know, the roles that you guys play in each other's lives and um, how you support each other's dreams and what you're going after. Yeah, well, my big brother, he's like, he's definitely my best friend, hands down. Um, we're pretty close in age. I think I forgot how many months it is, but we're basically like a year apart. And um, 
so we've been like we've shared like the same friend group so you always do like the same thing we're always interested in the same sports um i like spent most of my time growing up just hanging out with my brother and um yeah i think like <clears throat> when i refer to my brother as a great role model it's just like um he just graduated actually from university of toronto uh taking kinesiology and my brother he he's pretty smart but like he had never he it was never like that easy for him like he wasn't just you know a genius right off the gun and stuff but he's just always showed me like you know things aren't gonna always be easy but that's not a problem like you can if you work as hard as you can you can accomplish any of your goals and you know he's shown me that through the way he kind of attacks academics and um i try to do the same over here i'm not majoring in kinesiology but i get the job done and uh also, I feel like, you know, he's a very calm guy. <laughs> There's a, I'm like the younger brother, so, like, obviously, I push my brother's buttons sometimes on purpose <laughs> and by accident. <laughs> and my brother's pretty calm. Like, even if, if you have ever asked my mom, like, my bro, he would never hurt me. Like, there's times where, like, he'd grab me and shake me up a little bit, but, like, he's never, he's never actually <laughs> gotten into a fight where he, like, actually hurts me. And, um... I think, like, that's just the way he is as a big brother. Like, he just wants to see me, like, do my best. And even though I get on his nerves, like, he'll never actually do anything to hurt me. He'll just, like, Justin, cut it out and stuff like that. But, <laughs> yeah, he he just always looks out for me. And, yeah, he's, like, my superhero, but actually, like, big role model for me. So earlier this year, you ran 13-17 for 5,000 meters. And for listeners, that's... 241 per kilometer pretty incredible how and you also uh achieved the iaaf world qualifying standard uh to be eligible for yeah. canada this summer in london how big of a milestone was that for you especially after last year kind of going after the olympic standard and just missing out oh that was huge for me um i just you know i've never until last year i never really tried to chase times as much like it kind of it came towards me just pretty easily, like when I got the world junior standard and stuff like that. But um, I think last year was the first year where I actually kind of disappointed myself in a sense. And it's not that I I didn't run, I didn't run bad from like my age and stuff. It's just that I set a goal for myself, which was like the Olympic standard. And unfortunately last year, I just wasn't able to achieve it. And for a bit, it was like really hard for me to kind of stomach that. I was mad at myself for not, just not being able to complete the task. And I think um, I made some adjustments adjustments this year, um, kind of would like take it easier on workouts and not always try to prove like how fit I am. And my coach has done a good job of explaining to me, like, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. Like easy days are supposed to be easy and hard days are supposed to be hard and stuff like that. So just to see like myself accomplish that at, um, at Peyton Jordan was just, it was really heartwarming just to see like all the hard work go get paid off. And, um, yeah, I think like that was just amazing for me too. So how, how easy is an easy day for you? And do you run in kilometers or miles? Like in terms of oh, pace? I, I run in miles, but I, I don't really, uh, look at my pace cause I, I'm still running with like a G shock from high school that I got. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know what pace I'm going, but I go pretty slow. Um, I think when the when the other guys have their watches, like on my really easy days, I probably go like maybe like 
seven minute or seven ten pace for miles. And then for like my regular days, I try to keep it at like maybe like seven minutes or like six fifty. Because I don't know, like for me, it's just like all the work. I try to think that all the work is done in the workouts, but um, recovery is just as important. So when I go on like my regular runs, I just go out to say that I ran for the day. I don't really go out trying to crush miles and make myself feel any stronger than I was before. Do you, um, you've sort of transitioned from being, I mean, you, you still cover the 1500 up to the 5,000, right? So like, and you're, but you're more of kind of like a 5,000 meter runner, it seems, because you're also an amazing cross country runner. Do you foresee yourself going longer in distance as you age, or do you find that the 5,000 is sort of going to be your sweet spot? Oh man, I think you hit it right on the nose. Uh, I, I do love the 5,000, my my favorite race actually is the three K. I don't know. Yeah. High school just really did that to me. I love the three K, but, um, I, I like to say that I'd like to compete competitively at the 1500 and five K. Um, I'm just one of those guys that whatever race my coach throws me in, I just naturally, I just want to win. And that's usually what I try to do and try to accomplish. And, um, I think for me, the way I see it right now, like my coach would love if I woke up today and said, Coach, I want to run the 10K. I want to be a 10K runner. He, <laughs> he says that I can be a really, really good, like he thinks I could be a lot better in the 10K and stuff. But for me, is um, I'm fast enough and quick enough to run 1500s and 5Ks. So um, I think while I'm young in age and stuff, I might as well pursue the events that require a little bit more leg speed. And then as I start to deteriorate as an athlete and get slower because of age and stuff, I think I'd move up to like the 10K and no promises on like a half marathon or anything. <laughs> I'm kind of scared of those events, but I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever run a road race before? No. Actually, <laughs> well, I ran like a road. I don't know if it counts. I ran a road 10K for gym class. Yeah, it counts. But, yeah. I didn't really, because it was one of those things where like I missed it. It was also gym class, so I, I missed the run because of Osta. And even though I was missing the 10K that they originally planned us to run, for running i didn't get excused from it so they set me up to run like another race so i just like showed up and i got i think i got like 150th <laughs> yeah um you've spoken... and it wasn't like a, a pardon no go ahead oh i was gonna say like it wasn't a race like full with kenyans and like the world's top runners either it was just like <laughs> i was just jogging along <laughs> um you've told us in the past that uh one of the things that you would be scared of is just generally not being successful in life. And I'm curious to know what's something that you really want to accomplish. Uh, and it can either be in your running career or just more of a general, in a general sense. Um, I think my running career is like, I think those goals are very different than, I think actually I feel like they kind of tie in because hopefully, you know, I hope to get paid for running eventually one of these days, but, um, I think my running goal is to just be like keep working hard to become, uh, you know, the best in the world. And mm -hmm. when I say that, it's not me saying like, you know, I could be better than all these guys. I can be better than Mo Fair and stuff. It's just that, you know, at the NCAA level, um, I feel like every athlete competes to um, to win the NCAA. Like we're all talented enough to kind of eventually achieve that goal. And I feel like, you know, the way my career is going, I'm going to run as a professional, and I feel like 
my attitude towards, you know, being as competitive as I am should not change. You know, there's guys in the world that are extremely talented, like Jonas Kajelcha, Mo Farah, and Matthew Centrowitz, Mo Ahmed, and stuff. And even those those guys are like a long way from. Uh, I have a long ways to go to kind of even entertain myself in the same sentence as those guys. But um, I don't think my goals should change. And I think if you set high goals for yourself, you can accomplish a lot on the way. So that's my kind of running goal. I just want to mm. keep trying to be the best that I can be. And then, I mean, just in life, like, as long as I have a happy, like, I have a great family, you know, you know, a nice home, I can put food on the table and provide for my family. I, to me, like, that's just being having a good life. Like, I don't need the flashy watches and stuff like that i don't need to be like extremely rich but as long as i have enough to provide for a family and everybody's healthy i think that's fine (laughs) so the ncaa is one of the the biggest leagues i guess you could say in the world uh specifically syracuse big basketball program uh yeah the march madness tournament brings in a lot of uh a lot of money for both the university uh and the sport in general. I'm curious as to your take on whether university athletes in the NCAA system should be able to draw uh, either a salary or some sort of financial gain from um, from these sports. Uh, whether the NCAA should draw money from the sports, or oh, sorry, whether the athletes whether the athletes should, should uh, just because they're bringing yeah. in so much money for the university, right? Yeah, for sure. I that's a that's a hard question, you know. Like for me, it's like, you know, I am an NCAA athlete, but you know, we're not selling out the bleachers when people want to come watch us race. You know what I mean? So I don't really experience that. I'll experience, you know, people kind of using our names to and brand us into, you know, generating money through the university. So I wouldn't know what basketball and football players generally do feel. Um, but to me, it's just like, that's a tough question. Like, I feel like, yeah, they should get a bit of money. But there's, like, to a certain point where, you know, are you professional? Or I don't I don't know how they would work it out because, you know, the whole NCAA rules, like, you're not supposed to be professional and stuff. But I feel like as soon as you get money involved, you're kind of considered to be a professional player. And um, I do think that they should get paid for – you know, they're endorsements and stuff, but they they would just have to find, like, a really smart way of figuring it out so, like, games aren't thrown and stuff like that. I don't know. It's not up for me to decide, but I, I do think, like, they do deserve a bit of money. At Syracuse, <laughs> at, at Syracuse there's, you know, obviously, as Tim just alluded to, the, the, the basketball program is massive there. It's uh, got a, a, yeah. a deep history. Um do you feel like there's a difference between a an athlete in the basketball program and a someone like yourself? Like, do you feel like there's like, like, are they stars on campus and you're sort of a relatively unknown <laughs> figure when you're walking around campus, or or is there that difference? There, there is a difference. There, there's a huge difference. Like our basketball and football guys, like, um, our our program here is like the Syracuse Athletics loves us and they they kind of do give us our props and everything. But at the end of the day, like, we know, you know, basketball and football is what generates money. So they do get a lot more attention. And also, like, everybody knows the history between, like, basketball and football. 
if you're as good as you are and you come to our school, you get drafted, like you're going to make a lot of money. And to people, like you automatically become like celebrity status. Um, from my experience, though, I'm friends with a, a couple of the basketball guys. Oh, sorry about that. I have all my windows open. I'm friends with, like, a lot of the basketball guys, like, you know, Tyler Lydon and um, Tyler Ennis was nice to me when I came on my visit and stuff like that. And there's a couple other guys that's come through here where I'm decently close with. And they're just, like, regular guys. Like, if if they know you and they're friends with you and you just treat them normal, like, they're normal guys too. So I don't get starstruck when I see them anymore. But – I don't know. There's something about seeing like a six foot eight guy just walking around campus with a backpack <laughs> that makes those students go crazy and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so running is very much a sport that is about attitude. And I mean, this is the first time that I've spoken to you, but already in our conversation, I'm picking up on a very humble and upbeat attitude from you. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, where does that Thank come you. from? Uh, I would say that it comes from my parents. You know, they've yeah. always taught me. Yeah. You know, they always taught me that you should you should treat everybody the same no matter what their accolades are or, like, you know, their position in, in the world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they've always taught me to be polite, you know, just be yes, sir, no, sir, stuff like that. Um, also, like, I, I feel like um, when I did do basketball, I was, I mean, back when everybody was, like, around the same size, I was pretty dominant. <laughs> and... <laughs> I was pretty good. I'm not tooting my own horn, but I was. I'll look and see if I can get the stats for you. But back when we were, like, 12 to 14, I was, like, the man in basketball. And it was, uh, you know, I was never, like, super cocky or anything. But, like, if I kind of scored on you, I would kind of – I wouldn't – sometimes I'd let you know, depending on, like, how nice the play was. Like, you know, you see the stuff on TV where they stare down the athlete or, like, they throw up a six and stuff like that for a or throw up a three-pointer sign, you know what I mean? And I was never, like, super cocky, but, like, I participated in kind of, like, letting people know that I scored on them, just, like, the way my team was. And um, my mom pulled me aside one time, and she's like, this is back when I was really good. She's like, you know, like, you're blessed to be as good as you are, but, like, you know, God gave you these talents, and it can be easily taken away in that sense. And... Um, that always stuck with me because mm-hmm. I was blessed with the talent in basketball. Fortunately, I wasn't blessed with the height and stuff and the muscular build <laughs> to continue <laughs> to pursue it. But, um, you know, my mom and just hearing that and then, you know, I went through a hard time in high school, you know, when the guys got taller and then I was no longer like the starting point guard. I was kind of like the sixth man coming off the bench. And like, you know, for a lot of the other guys, it was coming like a lot more easier to them just because, you know, everybody was getting a lot better and stuff. And for me, it was hard from going from like being the man to like, you know, if I missed the game, my team would probably be able to get the win without, me, you know? And I was going through like a really rough time with that and like having that no sense of purpose on the team and stuff like that. But I always continued to like work really hard. And then um, with running, I felt like it was almost like God giving me a second chance and you know, I kept the words that my mom always told me that, like, you know, I was blessed with talents, but I can easily have them taken away. So I never, like, go out of my way to just be, like, you know, rubbing in people's face, like, I beat you at Peyton Jordan and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, like, we're all human beings and, you know, running's great and 
opens doors for people. But if you don't like people for like their personality and their character, then um, there's not much more to that. I don't know. <laughs> That's just the way I feel about it. So speaking of, of kind of tough times and taking your lumps, I mean, when we were setting up this interview, you, you and I were going back and forth via email. And at one point, you, you, you did say that you were still pretty sore about placing third at the, uh, the NCAA yeah. championships. Um, how has yeah. processing that been? And what are, what are you thinking about now in terms of like looking forward to the future? What's your goals for next year? Oh, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just go with goals first. Uh, I think my goal stays the same. Like, I still want to be the best runner in the NCAA, whether it be, you know, I want it to be fastest time and I want to actually win an NCAA race. <laughs> like, I have one more year to do it. So, uh, those are my goals. And I think, like, it's it's been int- it's been an interesting season in the sense where it's like, um, you know, finally I've been, you know, my, I had a good freshman year. I wasn't exactly on the level that I was now. And then sophomore year, I was getting better. And then, you know, the year that just passed, the season that just passed, like I really felt like I kind of got a grasp for um, becoming an elite runner in the NCAA. And it was fun. You know, I ran 13-17 and it was considered to be like the fourth fastest time in NCAA history and stuff like that. And that was really cool. And then being ranked like number one in the NCAA going to the meet and all the media, I got to do a bunch of meeting um, interviews with uh, ESPN and stuff. And all that was really fun. But I think, like, I had to um, adjust to kind of, like, the amount of attention I was getting. And it didn't really make me nervous or anything. But I think, like, the way that race played out, um, what happened was we were going tremendously slow, like, (laughs) probably equivalent to, like, my easy day runs. But uh, we were going really slow. And then I decided to, like, I think there was like a mile to go or maybe 1400 meters. And I went to the lead and I kind of picked up the pace a little bit, but not quick enough. And then, um, I think with a lap to go, um, I kind of got stumbled. Like somebody pushed me and I almost fell, which kind of like really messed up my rhythm. And I was really upset about that in the race, like going bonkers. You guys could probably not even (laughs) picture how upset I was. And then like, you know, the leaders they went to the front and they started pushing the pace and then i don't know if you guys watched the video but i had one hell of a back stretch you did yes. <laughs> but uh yeah and like i think like that's the that's the the reason why i feel like that's how i handled that like i couldn't control my emotions and literally what i was thinking is like i'm not gonna lose to these guys i'm gonna beat them right i can't believe like someone pushed me like that and i almost fell and I just like couldn't control my emotions and I ran straight to the front. Like I couldn't, I wasn't thinking about like tactically beating people. I just said, you know, I'm going to do this right now. And, um, you know, I showed all my cards too early and then I kind of ran out of gas with like the last 50 meters. And, um, I think like my only mistake there was just like not sitting on who was leading the race originally or not originally, but like with like, uh, 200 meters to go, I probably should have just sat on them and then, gained up a a bit of energy again to kick at the end but um i think just like me not being able to control my emotions at that point kind of messed me up for uh winning the title and you know i was mad and everything i wasn't like i wasn't like throwing chairs and stuff but i was pretty upset you know i felt like i disappointed myself i disappointed um the university which they had tell me it's not true and stuff whatever 
but like I felt like really disappointed in myself. And you know, I'm the type of guy where, you know, if you lose, if I lose, I lose. Like it's not the end of the world. You know, sometimes it's not it's not perfect for everybody. But um, I was upset for like maybe I don't know, <laughs> maybe like ten minutes after the race. But then you get to a point where you just realize that that just happened. You know, and I don't know. I don't have any friends with the time machine. If you do, you let me know, and I'll talk to them about <laughs> you. But, but like, I can't change the race. Like in history, I lost the NCAA championship, and I came in third, and that's not going to change. And you could either be the guy that just sits there and feels sorry for himself every day and says, "Why did it happen to me?" But everything was set up so perfectly. I had the fastest time. I ran so fast. Or you can be the guy that says, well, that happened. Um, <laughs> kind of like I'm pretty upset in the moment and I'm going to remember how I feel forever when it when I lose like this and I'm just going to work hard to make sure it never happens again and be smarter. So I chose to be the guy, the second guy, and I'm, I'm fine right now. Like, you can't change anything. I already lost, so <laughs> just get ready for the future. So you got one more year left in college. And then have you, uh, have you looked forward and... Do you have a dream scenario when you become when you turn pro? I mean, I'm assuming you're going to turn pro. Uh, oh yeah, I'm going to go pro in, in running, not basketball. I'm going to go pro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you have like a dream scenario? Do you want to run with like Schumacher? Do you want to join the Evil Empire at uh, at NOP? <laughs> do, you wanna, do you have like Do you have like anybody? Have you ever talked to any of these pro coaches before? Do you have Do you have like a dream um, scenario you want to land at? I haven't, I have not talked to any of the coaches. I think, well, when I was at Payton, I bumped into like Mo Ahmed. They're at the same hotel as us and Evan Jagger. And I think Jerry was out there too. So I said hi to them, but I didn't really like talk to them. I just said, good morning guys. And then I talked to Mo about basketball and then I was on my way. <laughs> but, um, I don't have right now. I'm pretty open because I feel like, you know, I want to be with the best group out there and, whoever's going to like harness my talents the best and have a great group of guys to train with. Um, I haven't been focusing on that so much because I'm the type of guy where I like to kind of focus on the present and the near future. So I got to make sure I take care of my business in the NCAA before, you know, I start to make plans for my future right away. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, I have a lot of good friends in the pro pro groups. Like when I was at NCAAs, I was hanging out with Clayton Murphy He's a great guy, and we were just, I mean, we weren't talking about being pros and stuff, but, like, I was just hanging out and getting a feel for, like, you know, what does he do all day? You know, he doesn't have to do school and stuff. How does he spend his day? And, um, you know, he was a great guy. You know, Isaac York is a good friend of mine. And um, even Martin Hatter, who's a graduate from my school, he's running, like, tremendously well for Nazelite in northern Arizona, so... I've just kind of been asking them how they adapted to becoming a pro, but I haven't like started researching like which groups I want to join, but we'll get to that soon, I guess. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, you know, I, I can't miss the opportunity to ask you about Drake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, everybody's been asking me about him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the natural connection, right? Like you're both Toronto guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the, have you, What's the what's the ultimate Drake reference to Justin Knight? What what would you be what would you recommend uh for Drake for a lyric about you? Oh, oh my god. 
<laughs> Are you guys, you should have sent me this question online. <laughs> you guys are really putting me on the spot. Two oh, lyrics. Man, I can't, so the thing that's in my Twitter bio, I can't give him that one because a different rapper used that. So, yeah. you know, there might be some problems. Um, I'm trying to think. What's a, you know what, I'm going to have to, can I get back to you guys? I'll like Absolutely. email you. There's so many quotes that are going through my mind, and I can't like make up one that that's uh, good enough to give you guys. Just tweet but it. I'll, just I'll tweet do, it I'll at us. Just, yeah. Okay, I'll get, I'll leave you guys with this funny story. Um, when I used to go to like World Championships, there's two scenarios that happen. That's pretty funny. So one of the teams, I um, at World Juniors, we used to like to pass time. We used to play like card games and stuff. I think it was called Spoon, and the loser of that game would have to, you know, they have to do a dare to do any dare that we, like, uh, pretty much decided as a group was appropriate to do. So, like, this ranged from, like, stuff like having a pillow fight with someone randomly on the street to, like, you know, I don't know, just doing stupid stuff, you know? And obviously you guys know I'm obsessed with Drake, so I was singing his music pretty much every day since I've been there. And they dared me to go to the whole Norwegian team, like while they were having a team meeting, and start singing like "Just Hold On, You're Going Home." <laughs> and, <laughs> I had to sing the whole song, but it part, partially because when I started singing it, I was like, "I kind of like this. I'm gonna keep going." But <laughs> those they loved it, like the whole team loved it, and like till this day, I have some of the friends that were on that team. Like when it's my birthday, they say "Happy Birthday, Drake" and stuff like that, and. Um, <laughs> That's just a moment I'll never forget. But then the other story was just kind of bad. I mean, I don't lie often, but this is one of the things I would do. And all the foreign guys, they would, like, ask me if I knew Drake. Foreign guys and girls, like, when I'm talking to, like, the Australian team or the Great British team. And to me, it's just, like, anybody could say that Drake's their cousin, but I kind of came with an elaborate lie where I'd be like, yeah, his half-sister is my second cousin. So it's, like, believable. <laughs> It's believable, but, like, you know, it's not that far from being not true. You know what I mean? And people would, like, always be like, oh, you got to, like, hook me up with tickets if I come see you in Toronto. I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, I don't see him all the time, but, you know, once every five years at Christmas, he'll come by. Or not Christmas. <laughs> I would just make up stupid stuff like that and then eventually have to tell them in, like, five months that, sorry, I can't get you tickets. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. So hopefully, that like, that makes it even for the lyrics but those are two funny stories guys i think that's better than a lyric i, I would agree with that yeah. what is what is All right. what is your what's the best song to run to by drake oh my gosh um we're putting together a summer think. playlist so Hold i figured on. i'd ask you let me i have my apple music open right now <laughs> let me just go through <laughs> A song that I like to listen to. Hold on. No, it's off this album. I like, to be honest, there's two songs. Like, when you just won a championship, like, when we won Cross Country's Big Rings by Drake, where it's like, I got a really big team, and we need some really big rings. Like, that's what I would listen to after you win. But then, uh, if you're warming up and stuff, I like... To be honest, as of recently, my favorite song would have to be uh, Do Not Disturb. Excellent. Off his 
most recent album, More Life. So we will add that to our summer playlist that we're putting together for the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. If you need any more stuff, just send me an email. Give me some time to think about it, and then I'll like get back to you right away. <laughs> and it'll be a it'll be a Justin Knight elaborate Drake running playlist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Need it. Oh, the other goal that I forgot to tell you guys about is. You know, Andre's a bit further than me in this, Andre DeGrasse, so I got some catching up to do, and same with Mo. But I want to be fast enough where, you know, if Drake is talk, mentioning running in a song, he says, like, oh, I'm running fast to Justin Knight, you know? Like, <laughs> that's another goal of mine. But I kind of have to beat Andre DeGrasse and get there first, so please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, might be yeah. tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be cool. too, really tough. Maybe, like, maybe he'll talk about, you know, running a distance or something, so that'll excuse Andre from it. It, all the more all the more reason for you to move up to like the 10,000 meters then <laughs> oh man yeah i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway thank you for talking to us justin thanks justin thank uh, you thanks for having me and now for our final segment we're going to chat about summer running music what's on your playlist we're going to be building a playlist this is the second week we're doing it we uh each made a recommendation for a song to add to the summer running the canadian running summer running playlist last week last episode so we're going to be building it out even further uh tim has been assigned the duty of putting together i think we're going to go with spotify a spotify playlist that we'll post on the site and we'll just sort of build it over time we want to hear your recommendations. Email us at podcast at runningmagazine.ca. That's podcast at runningmagazine.ca with your favorite tracks that you like to run to. Even if you don't typically run with music, as some people don't, some people are religiously against running with music. Um, but a song that you think would be a great song. If there was like some sort of like magical play magical uh, uh, soundtrack following you around when you're running. What would that song be? And if for, that was a thing. For Justin Knight, who we just chatted with, his song was Big Rings by Drake and Future off their record, uh, their their collaborative, rec- collaborative record from last year, actually from 2015. So it's been two years already. We're going to take a listen for to a couple of seconds of that right now. Yeah. I know we just signed a deal, but... I need my advance on the next one too. They know I'm gonna be around. Yeah. OVO Sound Radio. I need it. Metro booming want some more. Cause I got a really big team and they need some really big rings. They need some really nice things. Better be coming with no strings. Better be coming with no strings. We need some really nice things. We need some really big rings. I got a really big team. I got a really big team. They need some really big rings. They need some really nice things. Tim was dancing. Tim's into it. Tim likes it. it. I think that's that is a pretty good like that's a pretty good like hype up song before a race. I think yeah, for sure, or like a hard workout. I think it's a good one. Um, All right, so Sinead. Speaking of things that Tim is into, I'm going to tell a little story about his PB last night. Oh yes. So we all traveled together to the race at the east end of Toronto. And um, before Tim lined up at the start line, we were listening to Despacito by Justin Bieber and Louis Fonzi. So Tim was really into it, ran a PB, listened to it on the way home. And then when we went for uh, post-race drinks at the Boston Pizza, it was playing the second we walked in the door. So I decided... 
It's kind of our anthem, and it's it's quite fun. (laughs) (laughs) Our new anthem. (laughs) So we'll take a listen to that right now for a few minutes, uh, a few seconds, and uh, chat about it. Despacito Quiero respirar tu cuello despacito Deja que te diga cosas al oído Para que te pierdas si no estás conmigo Despacito Quiero desnudarte a besos despacito Tim swaying back and forth Made him go so fast <laughs> Super into it I had a little head bob going I, You know, I... I got a soft spot for the Biebs. I know you do. That was also partially why I recommended it, Michael. I, he strikes me as being like an absolute dirtbag of a human being. <laughs> but <laughs> but you're like so into his But stuff. some of his songs are really good. I know this because two years ago you DJed the Christmas party. And, and, <laughs> and, and you have this grin across your face. By about 11 p.m. I was like slipping in the... Uh, <laughs> Was it like the, the, the Bieber and Jack U uh, remixes, the uh, uh, Diplo and Skrillex and Bieber? Like three, three of the most <laughs> awful musicians and together. All combined in one. It's like, it's like creating a diamond. It's just like the pressure it creates beauty. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't recommended it yet, but maybe next week. Oh, possibly. There's still a week to go. Uh, Tim... What's your uh, what's your pick this week for 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 the summer running playlist? So I'm not one really to listen to music while I run, but the five ten minutes before I do go for a run, I usually listen to uh, something on my Spotify and something that's been generally on repeat is a song from 2014 that I had to Shazam if that's even really a, in use anymore <laughs> from that uh, from. I think like a YouTube video from like a, a video blog or something that uh, I saw that I was like, this, this is amazing. It has no lyrics either. So it's kind of like more of like a pump up track. It's called Forest of Gold by Mazda. Don't even know if I pronounced the artist's name right. But I don't M-A- know if the E is silent or not. M-A-Z-D-E. So yeah. Mazda. Mazda. <laughs> Let's take a listen. Mazda Forest of Gold. imagine tim tying his sneakers to that getting ready for a hard workout it was good that's a good on the run song too that's like a good mid like if you're if you're building like a like a let's say like a 45 to 80 minute playlist like we're gonna we're gonna build probably like a i mean we're just gonna build this thing out with as many songs as we get suggested to us but i think we'll try to like put together the perfect 60-ish minute playlist because I think you know most people mm. go out for a run between 45 minutes to 80 minutes I like my 80 minute run but some people like to do kind of like 45 you know 40 minutes that's the perfect like kind of mid run kind of you're flowing you're Pick flowing yeah. yeah you're just sort of cruising along I um 
I like that track. It was good. I don't know anything. I don't know. I've never heard of Mazda before besides the car company. Yeah. <laughs> never heard of it either. <laughs> and I don't know any of the other tracks. So, yeah. Uh, good recommendation. My recommendation is going to be Justin Knight inspired me. I was, was thinking about, uh, um, I was thinking about Drake. I like running Drake. I like, I like many, many Drake tracks uh, for running. But I actually, my favorite song, not my favorite song, but I think the most interesting take on Drake was Erica Badu's version of Hotline Bling. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it before. I sent it around I earlier. I don't know if you'd listen to you, it. You told me to, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Erica Badu fan. I really like it's Erica good. Badu. It's good. I like yeah. this one. Uh, so let's take a listen. It's, it's, it's very similar to Drake's version, but it just, I feel like it kind of makes like perfect sense. Uh, it works better for her than it does for Drake. I think let's take a listen. good i like that song that did sound Definitely pretty a good sweet run song. yeah I, and that's Great. again it, i think that's sort of like an evening running track a good summer evening it's it's yeah. it's sort of like tim's track it's a little bit mellow yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. uh it's it's for a low-key like an easy run this yeah. isn't for like this isn't for a hard hill workout no uh, this is like this is like a hot humid night running by the lake i think yes. both of your songs yes yes we're we're there yeah like the like with mood lighting Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's getting I hesitated weird. a little yeah. bit before agreeing. So just <laughs> <laughs> that track inspired Erica Badu to make a mixtape called "But You Can't Use My Phone," and like the whole mixtape's amazing. I I love the entire thing. Some of the songs are a little bit on the weird side, but the lead-in song on that she like samples the dial tone of of a of a phone. And kind of plays with it and creates the beginning of the buildup of, of a song. And I, I kind of like that as like, like a, any great album, a great mixtape, a, a great uh, playlist needs kind of like an intro song. It needs, it needs something to kind of get you going. It's mm-hmm. like um, to kind of build on. Just as when you like go out and you start for, start a run. You don't want to start and like, you know, hit your no. hardest pace in the first minute. So I, I really like the first track from this album from this mixtape of hers uh but you can't use my phone as a a starter song for a playlist so we'll put that on there too i get two today i'm being greedy <laughs> anyway uh if you have recommendations we'd love to hear them uh email us at uh, podcast dot uh, podcast at running magazine dot ca or um you know, reach out to us on Twitter or post something on our Facebook page, uh, Instagram, and let us know what songs you love to run to, and we'll add them to our playlist. Playlist, and Tim will be building, I believe it's a Spotify uh, ongoing pl- playlist. We'll create a page. We'll we'll post it on our Facebook page as well. Nice. Now it's time for our weekly recommendations, Tim. What is your recommendation for this week? This is a recommendation of a tweet that is an idea 
put forth by Trent Stellingworth. He's a physiology uh, lead with the Canadian Sport Institute out west. And after the Diamond League yesterday, he proposed a pretty interesting idea in terms of what to do when an athlete gets disqualified from a race after false starting. He said, instead of one and done, which is the current rule, if you false start or start running before the gun goes off, you're instantly disqualified. He suggests, what about putting the starting blocks two meters behind the start line as a penalty? As in, in hockey, say you committed an infraction, you get a two-minute penalty, you don't get kicked out of the game instantly. Right. Uh, so this would be particularly uh, interesting when someone like Usain Bolt gets disqualified from a race. He doesn't... He actually gets a chance to redeem himself. Right, like which is, like in the World Championships mm-hmm. a couple of World Championships ago, he was... Uh, he false started and, you know, so then you, you lose the greatest, arguably the, the top seed in the race at the time. I mean, he was, he's out and that's what everyone's there to see is the best in the mm-hmm. world running. And be kind of, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I wonder if he still would have won. That's probably the more interesting part. Would Usain Bolt win with everyone having a head start because he false started, which he rarely does. He did once in 2011, which was, uh, unfortunate but even in that case it would have been interesting to see him start two meters back five meters back and then people mm-hmm. were bringing up the fact that oh like what would happen in a hurdles race when like it's all about Ooh. timing mm-hmm. uh so you like well that be, would be interesting you'd be off i don't know so. if that i don't know i don't know if i'd be <clears throat> against that i think that yeah. actually be really interesting i mean obviously a hurdler would not be thrilled with that but that would be the sort of i mean punishment or handicap that you'd have to deal with if you fall started right and then you have to practice accordingly. <laughs> oh, man, another thing to practice, yeah. yeah. No, so I think that's a good idea. It's always so heartbreaking to see someone have to walk off the track. Oh, man. Like, I really hate that. Yeah. Or it gets dramatic when the person thinks, like, it was an error, so they run the race in protest, and then... Yeah. So, like, that's also controversial. But, yeah, again, this is for sprint races. Mm-hmm. Most people would fall start in the 400-meter or less, even though sometimes... At like the lower levels, you actually see people far, fall starting in the in the 1500, which is ridiculous, but yeah, usually not an infraction. Mm-hmm. No, that's yeah. a cool idea. That's an interesting idea. I like it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Sinead, what is your recommendation for this week? I have been working out in a couple Nike Breathe Tops, and I love them. They're so incredibly light. They're like they're like lighter than a piece of paper. I swear. You put it on, you don't even really feel like you're wearing anything. It's so great because it's getting really, really hot right now. So I just love having something that's like airy and not like sticking to my body or making me extremely sweaty. Um, They're really well ventilated. They've got like a cool cutout on the back too, the women's ones. I don't really know what the men's ones look like. So yeah, they've got like just like a nice little racer back thing that's uh, kind of a a cool look. So are you reviewing any of these? Um, You know, I think we're going to do a video on the website next week. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So I will be talking about it a little bit more than I currently just talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) So keep your eyes peeled for... They look really cool. I will say that. They do. They they really do. when when, When they first came into the office, I sort of was like, hmm, what's this all about? Because they're like, they're really, 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 you're right. They're like tissue light. They're like, yeah, they're like tissue paper. And the cuts are like, sort of more athleisure-y and I wondered if they would have like worked in a running context. Yeah, yeah. But you say they do? I ran in them last week. So um, 
And, thumbs and up. it was a really hot day. I went in the middle of the afternoon. It was like really hot and sweaty. And I wore this. It was great. I, I like the little cutouts too. Because if you're wearing a cool printed sports bra, you can see it. So nice. it's fun. Cool. Okay. And my recommendation for this week is actually a piece that just came out in the New York Times today. We're recording yeah. on Friday morning. It's a converse, It's a, a feature, a really big feature, really nicely laid out the way the New York Times lays out some of the really cool, slick features. And it's about the a, converse, a, 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 a topic that we've discussed before on the podcast about um, erasing the world records mm-hmm. in track and field previous to 2005. And it's called Track's Most Resilient and Suspect Record is in Danger. Uh, and it talks about uh, the 800-meter Czech runner, uh, Yarmilia uh Kratuk, I'm screwing up her name already here. <laughs> it's a hard one. Yeah, Velova. Um, I'll do that again. My recommendation for this week is a feature in the New York Times that came out today, Friday, as we're recording on Friday morning, called Track's Most Resilient and Suspect Record is in Danger. And it is about a topic we've discussed before on the podcast, erasing the pre-2005 athletics world records. Uh, it's a very interesting, very in-depth uh, exploration of the women's 800-meter world record, uh, which has been kicking around since ni- 1983. And many have felt that it's an impossible-to-beat world record, and many also suspect that it is a doped world record. Uh, so it's a, it's a really interesting... Uh, really interesting feature, well worth reading. Uh, I think we're going to write something about it on the site today as well, mm-hmm. so keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, so that's my recommendation for the week. Cool. I'm going to read it over the weekend. Excellent. Fact. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Apple Podcast, and we're also now available on Stitcher and Google Play. Uh, make sure to follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the shakeout podcast and on Twitter at shakeout podcast and Instagram at shakeout podcast.